The Start On Demand. On demand. It's a condensed version of the podcast today because we had our St. Boniface Hospital Foundation Radiothon of Hope and Healing to attend to, but we still talked about a couple of other things like the Bomber Game, Sunday in Regina, the CFL Western Final against Saskatchewan, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, joined us to preview the big game. BC is cracking down on vaping in an effort to get it out of the hands of youth. Critics say... It's just going to push people back to smoking. And have you ever borrowed something and never returned it? Or maybe you've lent something out and it never came back. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, November 15th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this Friday morning here on CJOB. Check your surroundings. That's just one tip that the Winnipeg police say more people need to follow if they want to try to prevent a carjacking. We've talked about the disturbing rise in carjackings before, and now police are talking about it again, warning that Winnipeg could soon hit record numbers. Here's Brittany Greenslade with more. A suspect loiters waiting for a car to arrive. When an unsuspecting driver stops in the parking lot, they're dragged out of the car and the suspect steals the vehicle. This carjacking happened outside Vancouver, but it's happening more and more in Winnipeg. I've watched sort of a a spread throughout the city. In 2016, police dealt with just 39 carjackings. By 2017, it was 50. Last year, they more than doubled to 103. And with 74 by August of this year, police say we're on track for a disturbing record. Where we're seeing carjacks in areas where um, you just would not have expected it. Uh, Shopping malls, places where we tell people you're going to be safe. Police say it's a combination of problems that involves guns, gangs and meth. When you're a meth user um, and you can get your hand on a weapon, uh, that vehicle right there is is, um, either money or a way to get money. You need it to do a different robbery. They're all tied. And one expert says it all comes down to money. You know, rims and tires in and of themselves, you know, could go for a couple of thousand dollars. The interior, the electronics, you know, a lot of these parts can go for several hundred or several thousand dollars per device. And the best thing you can do to protect yourself? I'm looking to the left and to the right and knowing if I can jump a curb, if I can go over a median, if there's a way for me to get out of a situation by going on somebody's lawn, uh, always, at all times. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. The good news, if there is any out of this, is that it has had me thinking a lot more. The more we talk about it, the more I am thinking about my surroundings, particularly when I'm in my car, which sadly I wasn't probably a year ago, but with these new numbers, I am. And I was telling you guys this morning as I drove in, it's four in the morning, you hardly see any people. But when I do, it feels odd to see anyone anyone Mm -hmm. out at that hour. So you're immediately like, well, what are they doing out here? Even though I am too. And I probably probably reach and block my car door five times now on my drive in. At every red light, I'm double checking. Like if I see someone uh, jaywalking, you think, well, why are they doing that, particularly at 4 a.m.? And so I'm hyper aware now, which which is good or bad, depending on how you want to look at it. When I used to drive to work through downtown, like I go right up uh, Portage and Mm -hmm. Main, and then I would go up Portage, and any time I saw somebody... 
just walking or crossing the street, I was always like prepared. Am I going to have to like run this red light? Right. Because uh, it's yeah. When you see someone at four in the morning, the instinct is, well, what are they doing out so late? Because it's kind of weird to see somebody it, it, at four. It, 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 it is, but I I also will do it in the daytime. Like if if someone's if there's someone a lot of traffic crossing the street, and I mean pedestrian traffic, you're watching for where people are going, and every once in a while someone comes too close to your car, and and so I, I can't decide if I feel good that I'm more aware so that I'm better protected because that's also a sad statement. Isn't it exhausting to be on hyper alertness all the time to have, you know, as the hockey players talk about having your head on a swivel, it's, it's really overwhelming and you're on sensory overload all the time, trying to be aware of everything that's going on around you. Mackling McGarry and McNabb. A Michigan woman recently faced jail time for overdue library books. When a Michigan woman went through a background check for a promotion at work, she was surprised to find out there was a warrant out for her arrest. I really don't think that going to jail over those two books is okay. Um, And I definitely didn't want to steal their property. The mother of five didn't even know she had the books until she visited the library a few months back. She was told she couldn't use their printer until she returned them. So Sanders called her fiance at the time to check their son's bookshelf. And sure enough, they were right there. She said she went home, grabbed them, and returned them to the library and assumed she would get a notice about the late fees. And I assumed that they had sent it to collections and that I would see it on my report or, you know, something like that. Um, I had no idea that criminal charges were going to be pressed. But that's exactly what happened. Sanders didn't even know there was a warrant for her arrest until her boss called her after doing a background check that she needed for a promotion. My boss called me on Tuesday to inform me that I had a warrant and I had to pull over because it started laughing and then he was like, no, I'm serious. And I was like, um, no, there's no way. Like, There's no way I have a warrant. So the charges of failing to return rental property carried a maximum penalty of 93 days in jail and a $500 fine, but the charges were dismissed after she requested to complete the diversion program through the Economic Crimes Unit. But still, she was going to go to jail for missing library books? She's still being punished. This is the alternative choice to going to jail. You have to honor your contracts, Greg. Yeah, she got a library (laughs) card, and it was probably pretty specific about those returns. That's the woman who never returns library cards. Come on, don't be an enabler, Mac. Come on. Don't break the law. There's no problem. Really? But are you advocating criminal behavior, Macklin? The shelves at the library would be empty if everyone did what this lady did. Anarchy, Greg. Anarchy. You're to blame for everything that is wrong in the world. The taxpayer has to pick up the slack for what this lady's dropping on us, you know? Wow. Look at really, the pilot. Really came under attack there. But when we read this story this morning, we all started sharing things that we've either lent somebody and not had return or things you borrowed and not given back. And I was telling Greg that <laughs> uh, two years story. ago when I was living in Toronto and working for Global National, friend comes, Shauna visits, we go out for the night. She leaves a couple things behind. Always happens. I think there was like a top and a necklace and I kind of forgot all about it. She mentioned one. I'll, I'll come get it or if you can mail it to me because she didn't live. She lived in Ottawa. 
And I don't know, six months later, this necklace is still sitting around, like a nice one. I put it on to go to work in the morning. So I was like, this will go really good with this top. And 6.02 <laughs> p.m., after I finished my live hit, I get this text. She's like, you know you're on TV, right? And I was like, why? She's like, you're wearing my necklace! <laughs> Busted! Right. Like, it didn't even, I was like, ah, she That's got to be worth 94 days, uh, days in jail. <laughs> I once lent a copy, I think two cop, two movies. One movie was Above the Rim, which was a basketball movie from, I think, like 1993, starring Tupac Shakur, and uh, also a copy of Menace to Society to my buddy Jamie, and I had to, I think he had them for like three years. I'd say to him every time I saw him, are you going to give me those movies back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I finally had to, I think, go to his house. To get them back. I'm not entirely sure how I, how I got them back, but I never lent him anything again after that. Sorry, Jamie. What was the Kids in the Hall skit uh, when McDonald's working in the grocery store and uh, he lends somebody his ACDC album or he, or he borrows one and the guy says, hey, you going to bring me my ACDC album? He goes... I forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he says, not only tomorrow will I bring you back your ACDC album, I'll make a cassette copy of it for you. <laughs> and then every day it extends to something. I'm going to bring it, you back your album no. and like six other things. <laughs> and so I think we've all been there, right? Where we've reminded somebody of something. My father-in-law lent me his jigsaw two years ago. He has the jigsaw, but the case that the jigsaw goes in Still MIA. Still oh, like cannot not, find you it. You don't know where it is. I found it three times, put it aside, you know, in those magical spots where I'm going to put it here so, so I, I won't don't forget, forget where, where I put yeah. it. It's in neither of those places. Kelly, you're kind of a stickler. Like, you like your rules. And I mean that in a positive way. But, like, if you lend something, do you have a, a, a window? Really. I always just say, you know what, just leave it on the porch or whatever mm-hmm. when you're done with it. But uh, yeah, I, I, like I can't remember the last time I lent something and it wasn't returned. But that—that's always uh, the the out for my wife and I. Will if we can't find anything, then we'll say, "Oh, we probably lent it to somebody and they haven't brought it back yet." <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. Once upon a time, our former colleague, whom some of our listeners will of course remember, Kevin the Lizard Wallace. Oh yeah, he. I don't know how it came up in conversation, but we were talking about the movie Mississippi Burning, and I said I had never seen it. So he said, "Oh my God, you got to see it! I'll bring it in for you." I didn't ask him to bring it in, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he brought it anyway. So it sat on my table for like a year because every time I would think I should watch this, but then I thought, "But I don't want to watch something serious right now, so I'm just going to watch The Matrix again." Um, <laughs> so he finally he, he asked a few times, "Did you watch it yet? Did you watch it yet?" And it finally got to the point where, "Okay, I want my movie back." And I thought, well, I never asked you to bring this anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Bron? He did the same to me. And <laughs> with, the, with The Crucible on VHS, which I never watched. And then, in fact, uh, I guess he must have already have moved away. But when I threw out my VCR and all my VHS tapes, it was with him. And I just tossed it. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> What's that? You just threw it yeah. out? Yeah, you're going to get a phone call from Okotoks <laughs> in about five minutes from now. So, How dare you? Thank for, goodness we're on a different time yeah. zone. Otherwise, he might have heard this. But between my friends, we have I've got so many books and movies and albums and stuff in my house that and my stuff in my friend's house that it's just like a big giant sharing pot and there are some things like i think that you don't you just kind of blend with the assumption you're not going to get it back like i had a friend bring over some during that winter storm and and we were all so busy and she brought over some soup and then finally i kept seeing her at like the rink and stuff and i was like oh i'm gonna 
I mean to return your Tupperware containers. And she's like, oh, I, I gave that to you knowing I would, never see, I would never see it again. Like, don't worry about it, right? I don't know. Fortune, are you a good lender or borrower? Oh, well, actually, I was uh, cleaning up my closet when I moved out about uh, seven or eight months ago. And, uh, of course, I'm finding the back of my closet uh, textbook, uh, social media, not social media, social studies textbook. <laughs> From high school, yeah. uh, I got a math textbook. These are supposed to be returned. Uh, there is Catcher in the Rye. I have that. This is all school property. That's Sounds a good like a great library uh, that you're uh, collecting and starting yourself. Even there, better Jeff. that he moved it from the house to his apartment. Oh, no, I didn't. It's still at my parents' house. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, I thought you had moved it with you and like, I should return it Oh, I wouldn't take someday. that crap with me. Let, Let us know. Us. Seven Oaks School Division is listening. Good Let thing us it's know. not at all, but what, sorry. <laughs> Now we want to talk about something that's happening out west. The B.C. government is taking dramatic action to try to cut vaping among young people. Global's Kylie Stenton has more. As the vapor clears, a growing health concern lingers in the air. It's an addiction at this point, so it kind of helps with my like anxiety and stuff. And that's why today we're taking action. In British Columbia. In a joint announcement, the ministries of health, finance and education laid out a 10-point plan aimed at protecting youth from the risks associated with vaping. Nicotine is enemy number one. The levels will be limited to 20 milligrams per milliliter. On top of that, packaging must include health warnings and any public advertising of the products will be restricted in areas where youth spend time. Then there's regulations on the sale of flavors. As of now, 90,000 retailers could potentially uh, present such products. And as a result of this, only adult-only vaping stores, which are in the hundreds, will be able to sell any product other than uh, tobacco-flavored or cigarette-flavored vaping products, which is a significant and dramatic change. And if that's not enough to deter vapors, there will be a price to pay. If legislation passes, starting January 1st, the PST will climb from 7 to 20%. Yes, it is a big tax jump and one that really signifies the urgency of this problem. In the past year, there's been a 74% increase in youth vaping, a trend now being considered an epidemic, much like cigarette use was years ago. And while the new regulations will be supported by an anti-vaping education campaign, health officials are concerned history is repeating itself. So they're using the same tactics, uh, it keeps us on our toes, um, but we are very encouraged today to see um, the significant strides the BC government is making. But to really crack down requires the federal government to follow suit and implement national regulations. What's necessary to address the black market of non-compliant vapor products that are clearly all too readily available. You can make it illegal all you want, but people are still going to find ways to get it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. So, full disclosure, I am a vapor, former smoker. Well, I guess yeah, I might still have the odd cigarette if I've had too much to drink. I'm out at out a party or whatever. But I, I vape regularly, and I like some things about this, and I hate some things about it. I like the idea of making it so that uh, the specialty flavors can only be purchased in vape shops. Like, I don't like the idea that you can walk into a gas station or a convenience store and see vape products sitting on the counter. I hate that. Be, they should be hidden from plain sight like cigarettes. 
Uh, and you should only really be able to buy that stuff at vape shops. I have no problem with making it that way because the vape shops, if it's a reputable place, will chase teenagers out of the shop. I've mm-hmm. seen it happen. I've seen the guys. They even have a code for it. And I said, what's what's that? I can't remember what the code was. He said, oh, that, that guy doesn't look like he's, I don't think he's 18. So sure enough, they went and carted him and they made him wait outside while his buddy, who was 18, bought his products. So I... If the vape industry, at least the, the the good side of it, the ones that's not owned by big tobacco, they try to keep this stuff out of the hands of young people. And this reducing the, like limiting the flavors that are uh, attractive to young people, how do you decide which mm-hmm. ones are? Because they're not just attractive to young people, they're attractive to adults. I The vape stuff that I have is like, a, it's like a blue slushy raspberry kind of deal. Doesn't it, it actually, say slushy on it? it? Well, it doesn't, but here's the thing. Apparently, we have regulations in this country that it can't say the flavor on it. I don't... And the, the, the what, do you mean it, co- what do you mean it can't say the flavor it, well, on it? Because it, because they, 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 if you have the flavor on it, then it's enticing for like if it's yeah. well, like strawberries yeah. or whatever. So they'll say things like slushy, and then from that you're supposed to assume it's going to be sugary or sweet or whatever. Yeah. So, but the guys told me that they're not going to carry the juice I have anymore. But it says like the packaging says blast off, like that's the name of the flavor. But apparently there's something about this that's non-compliant, so mm. they can't have it in Canada anymore because the company won't change it for Canada. So there are already regulations in this country that limit it. So I think if you if you take away flavors, because I've tried the tobacco flavors, they're gross. So if that was my only option, then I might be, because of my addiction to nicotine, I might end up falling back into smoking. And that's what some critics are saying about this. So I like that they, they want to get the, the vape stuff out of certain stores and only into the specialty shops. I hate the tax increase. Like does that, do you think that's a deterrent? Because like it's 7% PST now to 20% to BC. Like, is that enough to make a difference for you? No, well, I don't think so. And another part of the problem, too, is if they're trying to keep it out of the hands of kids, how does the tax increase affect that? Because they're not the ones buying it. Where are they getting it from? They're not walking into the store, hopefully, and buying it. They're probably getting right. someone who is an adult right. to buy it for Can't them. you get it online as well, like you, if you wanted to? You can, and I know people who get their stuff online, and they get it shipped up from the United States, and every so often their shipments get pinched at customs. So... Yeah, I am. I like some of this. I hate some of it. And I'm just this is the beginning of the end, though, I think, for uh, for vaping, at least as we know it. And and there are a lot of people who have gotten off of smoking because of vaping. If it's so bad, why do we have to like if it's so bad for us, this or alcohol or all the other things, why do we keep having to add the tax for it? Is there an argument then? Well, then why is it allowed to? Well, and I thought was going to be the question I was going to ask Brent, Brent, Brett. (laughs) Do you think this is the intention? is for it to make it prohibitive for these vape shops to operate in the first place. Is the government hoping they're going to go away on their own? Maybe. If they make it difficult enough. It could be. And maybe maybe this is the master plan of Big Tobacco. They they infiltrated their oh, products boy. into the... St- uh, that's a wild conspiracy or the I, conspiracy theory, I know. But anyway, we got to get out here. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. It's a big weekend, Greg. Are you ready? Are you ready for the biggest football game of the year? Do you know when it is? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> I just like how long you're so excited about that setup. And then, it, oh, it's yeah, funny. one second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Lots of work to harvest that audio. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, 3 30, our pregame coverage gets underway at 1 o'clock here on 680 CJOB. It's the Bombers versus the Rough Riders. CFL West Final for the right to go to the Great Cup in Calgary. 
A week Sunday, the Bombers dispatched the Stampeders last Sunday and now have a date with Destiny. That Destiny is all dressed in green. Bob Irving will join us at 8.37. Doug Brown is back from Nicaragua, and we laid down the latest version of the Blue Bomber podcast Wednesday to look back at how the Blue Bombers dismantled the defending Grey Cup champions and looked ahead and tried to lay out what will be key for them to take the next step with a win over the Riders. The sheer volume of choices out of the offensive backfield has to be cause for concern for Saskatchewan playing defense against Winnipeg right now. Yeah, they're so multiple, right? So everybody wants to key on Andrew Harris. So one of the plays we saw that went to Dembski that was an explosive play was, you know, they kind of flanked Harris out and he was drawing double coverage and Claris was in the game. So they're like, okay, this is definitely going to be a pass. And guess what? They handed it off to Dembski. Uh, a big game. So there's just so many things, you know, you just can't take away one player. Now you really gang up and focus on taking away Andrew Harris. Then they're going to run the ball with Dembski, right? Or they're going to run the ball with Strudler or they're going to throw over the top. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible how multiple this offense is. It's pretty exciting. Um, We only really saw two quarters of it on point and they got uh, 35 points in this game. So imagine if they play four quarters with this, Saskatchewan is going to have their hands full. Every defense, especially in a playoff scenario, you want to take away your opponent's strength. Well, what is that against this team? What are you going to do? You take away Andrew Harris? Well, then Strubler can run the ball, and so can Dembski. You're going to try and take away the, the deep ball by Claris? Then you have all these running elements that you're not suited up for. So it is, uh, it's quite a matchup problem, and uh, what a good time of the year to have so many options offensively. We'll get Doug's prediction a little bit later this morning. Doug Brown, Bob Irving, and a virtual cast of 1,000 Sunday at 1 o'clock for the setup. 3.30 kickoff from Mosaic Stadium in Regina. By the way, the weather forecast is spectacular. Environment Canada calling for a high of 6 degrees under a mix of sun and cloud. Nothing about wind so far, and there are several hands full of tickets left for the game. See if this is symphony worthy there, Jeff. No. Nope. The symphony in hell, maybe. Yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> I don't think the WSO uh, has any openings for you right now, no. Fortier. It's like a, going to a grade five concert. It's nice. I like it. <laughs> I think Jeff should have been part of the superhero showdown. I don't like everybody slamming Jeff like that. Yeah, come on. That was a masterpiece I just played. <laughs> oh, beautiful, Jeff. You, you, you keep working, man. Are you just sensitive because of the pylon at 645? Nobody <laughs> stood up for me. Four I'm standing even up done. for 14. You're a thief. Do you they, want us to steal up for you? Do you, they ever have open tryouts at the take? WSO? Shame. I wonder how that works. Yeah. If they do, we've we got to send 14 as recorder down there. <laughs> yeah, that would be tremendous. Yeah. You, maybe you could play the recorder and the drums at the same time. <laughs> I can try. I can try my best. Did you just do like, kick drums the whole time? All right. Three movies out this weekend. <laughs> Jeff Braun's here, The Couch Potatoes. New podcast is out now for The Couch Potatoes. And we're going to start with... Uh, the big the, one. Yeah. What? Ford versus Ferrari. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? I can try. We're lighter. We're faster. That don't work. We're nastier. History. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. <laughs> I 
Uh, I just ripped off the plot from IMDb, which says it is this. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. Based on a true story, Matt Damon plays Shelby, Christian Bale is Miles, John Bernthal is Lee Iacocca, and Tracy Letts, who we heard crying at the end there, is John Ford II. Directed by James Mangold, he made Logan, Walk the Line, Copland, a lot of good movies. It's at 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, although that sounds like it's an A-plus movie. Most of the reviews, while positive, are not really raised. They're saying it's they're saying it's good, but it could be better. Okay. So seems, your heads will like it. Seems fun. Uh, also out this weekend, the latest incarnation of Charlie's Angels. I'm the lead programmer on a product that can be weaponized. We can help you. Elena, you're with the angels now. I'm Bosley. You guys are lady spies. Jane's former my 6 Sabina runs the ground game. Gear her up. So the Angels, of course, started as a TV show in the 1970s, later rebooted as two movies in the early 2000s with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, then another TV show in 2011, which failed miserably because it was terrible, and now a new movie from writer, director, co-star Elizabeth Banks, who plays Bosley. In this version, there are teams of angels around the world. The angels we focus on are played by Kristen Stewart, whom you might remember from the Twilight Saga. Loren McNabb, did you like the Twilight Saga? I did, but I'm not I'm not a fan of hers, but I, I like the Twilight Saga. The Twilight Saga wasn't about her. When <laughs> anyway. I saw her in this trailer for this, I was like, because she is not someone you associate with being, like, smiling and having fun. Right, she's and not your quintessential. It seems like it's supposed yeah. to be a fun movie, and she just seems so dour all the time. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's just a Twilight or... Whatever it is. She is no Kate Jackson. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Who was it you liked in Twilight, Loren? Was it Edward? Is that his name? Yeah. Robert Patis- Patterson. Patterson. Robert Potassium. Yeah. <laughs> so Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and Ella Belinska. Patrick Stewart co-stars, as does Jamin Hansu. It looks fun, but it's at it's at fifty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But for this kind of movie, who cares? Yeah. And now we move to the one that we actually have passes for. Oh. So stand by for your cue to call for that. Ian McKellen playing a con man looking to put one over on Helen Mirren in a movie called The Good Liar. We've developed an intimacy to the future. How much do you think she's worth? Enough to last several lifetimes. You don't want to do this, Roy. It's the game. It's the adrenaline rush. What if it is? Let's play. Yeah, a crime thriller type movie where Ian McKellen appears to hoodwink rich widows and take all their money. But I can't imagine that Helen Mirren will be anything less than a formidable foe. Critical consensus that it's not great, but pretty fun. Might be a renter if you can't win free passes. And you can win those passes right now at 204-780-6868. Feeling generous, so let's just go with caller number 6. 204-780-6868 for a pair of passes, run of engagement passes for The Good Liar. Couch Potatoes podcast is now available. We've 
we've linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. You can also find it on 680 CJOB's Twitter, or you can just go to CJOB.com. The show will broadcast live tomorrow at noon, and I guess not at 6 because there's a football game on oh, Sunday. Oh, mm. Bob's not going to take an uh, hour-long break during the game to <laughs> let's couch potatoes run? Not happening. That would be Sorry, great. Bob. Jeff? Maybe, maybe Bob could at least throw out a few movie recommendations during that you know what? Bob's coming could. in. Yeah, he loves. He's coming in at eight thirty. So that'll be question number one. Before we get to this game thing, well, the Matt Damon movie opening this week. I know Bob likes Matt Damon because okay. yeah, I was raving on Twitter once about uh, the movie We Bought a Zoo. Yeah, and Bob chimed in very quickly. You like that movie? He, he, yeah, we both like that. Really? That's, that's Matt a really Damon? Good movie. How? Like it's mandatory to like all things Matt Damon. We watch We Bought a Zoo, everybody. It's good. Good stuff. We'll have to ask him if you watched The Great Wall. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's that uh, adventure movie of The Great Wall of China where there were monsters trying to get over it. And Matt Damon saves the day somehow. (laughs) Yeah, The Great White Savior. (laughs) That that movie did not do all that well. Jeff Ron. I've never even heard of it. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it has been a frustrating week for many in this city waiting for the folks at City Hall to go over the budget and decide what may or may not get cut. So it's really just part of the process. They have to do this every year, but it leads to important debates about priorities. And then, of course, behind those debates, there really are some serious concerns among many Winnipeggers. There are bus riders who are worried about transit cuts, police officers worried about resources. And I think almost all of us talking about the rise in crime and what those cuts could mean as well as the rise in homicides. We're getting there on a whole series of ugly, unnecessary murders that are happening. And behind those murders is a whole string of levels of violence that uh, are totally unacceptable and we shouldn't be putting up with. And, uh, you know, we're holding our own in Point Douglas because the community is very heavily involved. That was Sal Burroughs, and he, of course, has been fighting for decades to keep Point Douglas thriving. When he joined us about two weeks ago, I think it's safe to say you can just hear it, but you could feel that frustration in his voice. He listed a whole host of things they're doing to rid streets of drug dealers, like a point line for tips. They also have a plan about calling bylaw officers to come in and crack down on those dilapidated and boarded up houses where drug den thrives. And they are working on building better relationships with frontline officers so they can get things going in their community. And now we want to introduce you to another group in Point Douglas called the Boldness Project. They're all about prevention. Eager to roll up his sleeve and show off his tattoo, Darren Richard, dad of four, proudly points out each of his children's names written across his arm. Being a dad is something he wouldn't change for the world. It's something I really cherish. And something I'll always cherish is these, these kids growing up and watching them become their own little people. And it's why he began visiting the Winnipeg Boldness Project just two years ago. We're situated in a particular neighbourhood in Winnipeg that we tend to call the North End, but formerly known as the uh, Point Douglas neighbourhood. And we're really trying to look at what does it take to make it better for babies. To make it better for babies, that is their goal. They know in Point Douglas that 40% of kids entering school in that neighbourhood just aren't prepared. They're not ready. And the slide can start there. Global's Abigail Turner spent some time with the Boldness Project, and she joins us now. Good morning, Abby. Good morning, guys. Great to have you here. Now, tell us about what they're doing with this program. Something unique, bringing families into the conversation and taking their ideas and and trying to craft them into solutions. How does it work? 
Well, just before I guess I answer that, I really wanted to paint a picture of their space. When I entered it, their walls are completely covered in ideas of how to make Point Douglas better. It's literally marker on the walls of all of these great ideas and, and ways that people can really come together and, and benefit uh, each other, essentially. It's really just a tight-knit community in that space. But in terms of, of how that works, they're really asking families instead of you know saying here's the problems this is what you're dealing with they're saying okay what do you think the problem is what do you, what do you think the maybe unfortunate circumstances that you have to deal with are and how can we help you I watched your story that you've been writing on Global News Morning and also one of the videos with the Boldness Project and it kind of addressed the idea that there's all these groups that are working together and there are systems in place, but somehow even the systems in place can be barriers for certain families because there's such a finite list of criteria that they have to go down. And so bringing the moms and dads back into the conversation saying, yeah, there is that program, but here's how it doesn't work for me is kind of an important part of the conversation, Abigail. Yeah, definitely. And, and one of those, I guess, resources that we specifically talked about was the Canada Learning Bond. You know, that resource is there for people who m- maybe are looking for secondary uh, education, but simply people don't know about it, don't know how to access it, don't know maybe even how to apply and use it. So that was one of the ways people are, are wanting to get more education is how can we make this more accessible to people, not just in Point Douglas, but in all communities, I guess, Across Canada, across Canada, who who could benefit from the Canada Learning Bond, um, and that's really what uh, this program is all about. It's it's asking families what you need uh, in order to be successful in life. It's really cool because the dad in the story too. Uh, they said at the end of it that he's this man who has grown up there, raised his raising his kids there. He's well known in the community. And as much as there's this sort of stereotype of what may go down in Point Douglas or these concerns about crime, there is hope there. There's a lot of hope there. There is a lot of hope. And off camera, I, I talked to him a little bit more, and his main concern is that dads maybe aren't allowed, don't feel comfortable to talk about their mental health, to talk about their emotions and how they're feeling. You know, maybe they're just going to work and they're coming home. But there are issues that men are dealing with specifically. And this program is kind of allowing dads to get together and say, hey, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to talk about our emotions. And from that, what can we do to make uh, situations better and more comfortable for everyone, specifically dads, to talk about the things that they need to better their families. Well, I know when we're having issues at at my house with my kids, sometimes when things go off the rails, I will say to them, you know, this is my first time being a dad. I'm learning as I go here. And we do have tools, but sometimes those tools are limited. And that whole notion that it takes a village to raise a child, I think is in play here, Abigail, that idea of community helping one another because let's face it, we don't have all the answers as, as parents, and it's important that we have places to go to get those answers to the questions we don't know the answers to. Exactly, yeah. This program is just asking families to participate essentially in an ongoing reciprocal conversation. It's not about what side knows better. It's about coming together and forming this community and kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And like I said, this wall is just completely covered in ideas, which is just so unique and so special, I guess, to this community. Global's Abigail Turner joining us live on 680 CJOB. Abigail, thank you. Thanks, guys.
It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Greg's doing that thing again where he's pointing to Forte and it is so distracting, Greg. Stop it! <laughs> it's not Jeff, can like, you make sure my burly's on, please? Oh, like your burly like is up fence, and on. Jeff. It's ready like to go. Third base coach <laughs> giving signals. I have no idea what's going third on Third base here. coaches operate in silence, though. That's just what I was trying to do. <laughs> is that when they do those hand signals? That's and- right. Question yeah. of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. Call 204-987-6890. Will the Blue Bombers defeat the Rough Riders on Sunday and advance to the Grey Cup? Yes in a heart stopper. So far, say 63%. Hmm. 18% say yes in a rout. And 9% each say stop it, you'll jinx it, or no, <laughs> go Riders. Oh, boy. You can also cast your vote on, on Twitter at 680CJOB. To be clear, Greg is the stop it, you'll jinx it guy. But to a certain extent. I put in I the rundown this morning, yes. Bob, that mm. you were coming on, and then I wrote in there, bombers on the way to a W blank blank. Yeah. And Greg did not appreciate that. I did not. Because I almost said the words. Uh-oh. Sunday afternoon, Bob. 3.30, pregame gets underway at 1 o'clock. Bombers, Riders, CFL West final for the right to go to the Grey Cup in Calgary week Sunday. First time since 72 the Bombers and the Rough Riders are going to go head-to-head in the West final. Do you remember the 72 final? Yes. And the crazy ending with the kick in, the missed field yep. goal, the punt in, the punt out, the no yards. One of the craziest plays in CFL history, fair to say? Well, full disclosure here. I, I <laughs> oh, was, I know who you were I, cheering for I was for working then. in Brandon at that time. Mm. I had not uh, yet become sort of a Winnipegger and a guy who has some sensitivity to the fortunes of the Blue Bombers, and I was cheering for Saskatchewan. I hate to admit it because I grew up in Regina. That's my hometown. Mm-hmm. But that game was nuts. It was crazy. Uh, the late Jerry Maslowski, who worked for CJOB and for the Bombers, used to once a year... He'd go on a rant about that game and how the the Bombers <laughs> somehow found a way to lose that game in the most incredible of fashion. They were way ahead, and then they lost 27-24. And Jerry never, bless his soul, never got over that loss. There's some losses that just really sting. <laughs> oh, I man. remember my mom and dad coming home from that game, furious, <laughs> angry, yeah. sad, yeah. despondent. None of that this weekend, though. Uh, the game is in Regina. Right. First time since 66 that the West final between the Bombers and the and the Rough Riders will be in Regina. Much uh, more beautiful stadium. Do the Bombers have all the momentum right now, Bob? Did, did it help a little bit that they played last week? Yeah, I'm not sure I buy into that, uh, Greg. I think the I thought the Bombers had an edge going into Calgary because they had two weeks off and lots of time to prepare. And now that that's in the Riders' court this time. They haven't played for two weeks. They'll be as well prepared as any team can be. Now, they do have an injury concern about their quarterback, with Cody Fajardo, and we're not quite sure uh, what level he'll be at on Sunday. He's going to play for sure, but he does have an oblique muscle injury, which I'm told I've never had one, but I'm told... An uh, oblique muscle or an oblique muscle injury? (laughs) Either. (laughs) Uh, I'm told that can, uh, you know, be real problematic, especially as the game goes on and you take some hits. So we'll see how that all plays out, but... uh, no, it's going to be a, a terrific matchup. I can't wait for it. It's it, And the noise, the atmosphere there will be through the roof. It's just going to be very special. Last year, the Bombers played there in the semifinal. Uh, but this is a notch above that now. So 
is the key to take the game they had last week and yeah. and remain and keep the same game plan or do we each week now we have to ramp it up a notch yeah i think you've got to ramp it up i like that game plan you know they'll tweak it and but there are things that both these teams do at this point in a season that are your sort of your signature things that you do and with the winnipeg it's chris Trevler goes in and runs his package andrew harris runs the ball they run some misdirection they run power sweeps that's what they do on offense and so it's a matter of uh, trying to do it when Saskatchewan's not expecting it, right? It's a chess match, and uh, and that's what it boils down to this late in the season. And as the coaches say, it's all about execution, and that's true. And I know it's a cliche, and people go, oh, God, here we go, the old execution line again. But that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Saskatchewan is a very good team. And and I think I say this to Winnipeg fans. Everybody's going, ah, oh, we're going to get it this year. And that may well indeed happen. But the Riders were 13-5 and five for a reason. Statistically, defense and offense, they're among the leaders in the league in all categories. This is a good Saskatchewan team that the Bombers are playing. I think the Bombers can win the game, uh, but I, you know, I won't be shocked if they don't. Are you seeing something with chemistry, though? I felt after Sunday's game, just like this buzz, this energy, yeah. and they're having fun, too. Like It seemed like yeah. everything wasn't, not effortless, but part of it was just the idea that they, they were enjoying themselves yeah. out there. I feel that, for sure, and I think Mike O'Shea's done a superb job of keeping that feeling there, even when times were tough and things looked bleak and everything else. There's no question that this team has a great chemistry, a great makeup. Uh, they care about one another and all the rest of it. But I think the Riders probably have players who feel the same way. So, you know, these things aren't unique to any team. But no, I have a good feeling about this club. I, you know, it's funny, going into Calgary, I thought they had a chance to win that game. And, and years previous, I wouldn't have said that. But I, I felt that way this year. And I feel it this way going into Regina, too. Bob, I know sometimes I travel down memory lane far too often, but it's 30 years since the Grey Cup, and I have to think back to 1984 when the Bombers had John Huffnagel mm-hmm. and Tom Clements, and I can remember a play in the 84 Grey Cup where Clements lost his contact lens. I remember. And yeah. that could have been an absolute disaster, except mm-hmm. for the fact you had John Huffnagel on the bench. Right. He goes in, and if he had to play one or 21 plays, it wouldn't have been a big deal. The Bombers might be in the best situation in terms of having two quarterbacks since 1984. Yeah, I agree totally. And and it's the dimension that Chris Streveler brings. John Huffnagel couldn't run, but he could function very well at quarterback. But Streveler provides such a threat with his ability to run, and he can throw the ball too. And I know in the Calgary game, the semifinal, he didn't throw a pass in all the time he was in the game. But he wanted at, to. Yeah, but look out. On Sunday, uh, you know, he's always capable of doing that. So when he goes into the game, the riders aren't going to know what to expect. And if they play him to pass, you know, he's liable to take off and run for 40 yards. So sure. he, he just provides such a dimension, a unique dimension that, uh, boy, I haven't rarely seen in all my years of covering the CFL. Really? Yeah. No, it's just uh, his ability to run with the foot. He's like a running back, basically, mm-hmm. playing quarterback. And if you're on defense, when he goes in there, you go, man, we, well, we think he's going to run. We'll pr- he'll probably run. But even if he does, we might not be able to stop him. Well, and in Calgary, it looked like the cold weather. Brett and I had a little bit of an off-air conversation about, mm, you yes. knew the guys back in the day when... <laughs> 
the limited amount of football that I played, you knew the guys, though, that didn't want to hit in cold weather because mm-hmm. it hurts more. Yeah. And you could tell, in my mind anyway, that there were some Calgary players that did not want to get in Chris Trevler's way. So it was about minus 11, minus 14 probably by the time the sun went down in Calgary. It's going to be above zero in Saskatchewan. So you're not going to have that advantage of, I don't know if I want to hit the, the raging bull in Strevler, but yeah. you don't want to get in his way if you can avoid it. Well, this is the other unique thing about Strevler. His running ability is one thing, but he's 6'2", 215 pounds. You know, he's a he's a battering ram, and he lowers his shoulder, takes you on, and he's a bit of an intimidating guy when he comes around that corner. If you're a defensive back who's going 180, and he comes barreling at you, you have second thoughts about taking him head on. So... Yeah, he's a unique guy. He really is a tremendous asset to the Bombers. His ability now to rise above these injuries that he has and contribute the way he did in Calgary on Sunday, that's a difference maker. Bob Irving, what time is the pregame on Sunday? It's at 1. We have a six and a half hour broadcast. Brett and I would say miss it at your peril. Do you drive there or do you get to take a plane? Loren, five hours in a car is a bargain as opposed to one hour on an airplane for this human being. So I drive to the His game. His nickname Wait, is Knuckles, Knuckles for a reason, right? I forgot about the nickname. <laughs> yes, it's a long I drive, drive in the winter. I gleefully drive to Regina. It's four lane all the way. It used to be a time where it's about 100 miles of two lane highway, and that was a real nuisance. Where do you stop? Well, I stop in just past Mooseman, uh, mm-hmm. usually maybe in Verdon. It depends. Depends on whether, what I have to do. Do you drive solo or you get some good uh, windshield time with uh, some other folks? Uh, I'll be driving solo this time, but yeah. my wife will often come with me to Regina. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but no, I'll be on my own. This time I'll be playing my music, listening to the radio, doing different things, you know. You watch any movies lately, Bob? Uh, yeah, I went to Motherless Brooklyn. Ah. I quite liked it. Yep. And last night I took my grandson to uh, the firefighter movie. Uh, I forgot the name of it now. Something or other playing with, with fire. fire. Playing with fire. Yeah, yeah. John Cena's in it. It's a. I would say to folks, it's a wonderful family movie. Really? It really is. That's if, cool. You know, I think thirteen and fourteen year olds they might think it's really too hokey and corny, which it is. Yeah. But if you've got an eight or nine or ten year old, it's oh, yeah. just awesome. My kids are awesome. forever taking me down in the basement, saying, "I'm going to John Cena you," and then I get tackled around the knees and well, down they you go. should go to this movie then because right. he's the star. Yeah. He's really good. Well, Bob Irving is the star of this segment. He is (laughs) going to be on at 1 o'clock Sunday with a pregame kickoff at 3.30 as the Bombers take on Saskatchewan in the CFL Western Finals. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We just had Bob Irving in to preview Sunday's Western Final. You can listen to it at cjob.com in the audio vault after 9 a.m. That segment started at 8.37. Game, of course, Greg, is in Regina. That's right. One of our listeners just texted us. I just purchased my tickets. I'm off to the game, baby. Woo! Woo! And uh, there are still a few tickets left if you want to go to Ticketmaster. You don't even need to go to the secondary market for those tickets. But back in October, I was at the Heritage Classic in Regina, and that city did a fabulous job hosting fans from all over North America, mostly Calgary and Winnipeg, for the Heritage Classic. And Loren, I think it was you that commented on the fact that you were so impressed with how they played off the geography of Regina's physical location, essentially halfway between the two cities of Calgary and Winnipeg. And the song they celebrated uh, to celebrate that, or the song they used to celebrate that, with a live cover version of this. Oh, baby, why don't you just meet me in the middle? 
catchy song mm-hmm. you have to confess now so that's the version from zed Marin morris and gray in regina they did that song with a hodgepodge of talented musicians from saskatchewan including jess moskaluk and country music group the hunter brothers now that song was very good as it was performed the music overall at that event was great uh, they had our friends took playing live in between the plays and in between the whistles with live music, very cool. Never seen that done before. But this song stole the show when they played it in-house at Mosaic Stadium. Let it, let it speak for itself. Really want more? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is making me want to go. <laughs> I forgot about this crap. Oh, this is so bad. <laughs> no, I could share with you the real inspiration <laughs> for that song, but I think it's way more entertaining to imagine what I think is the true inspiration. And I think it's this parody tourism melody for a city as maligned in America as Winnipeg is in Canada. Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland Town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. We see the sun almost three times a year. Flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down and eat. I had to cut out some of it because it starts to get rude and a little bit uh, uh, pointing out uh, some shortcomings of individuals. And, and, and it's funny, but it's, it also kind of goes off the rails. So I had to edit things a little bit to keep that Cleveland song politish. But I think that's the genuine inspiration for the Regina tourism song. And I'm sorry, I'm going to stick to that story. But people were going crazy when they played that experienced Regina song at Mosaic Stadium. They have this love affair with this song. And, you know, of all the hard time I give to Regina and to Saskatchewan, they are super proud of where they live. Mm -hmm. They're super proud of who they are. That'll be on display in mostly green and white come Sunday. Well, every team now, it's like Bomber Nation, uh, Ticat Nation. But didn't that start with Mm, Ryder Nation? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no pro- no question about it. And they do it as well as anybody does. We have the loudest fans. Uh, we've even proved that through technology. But it's difficult to argue uh, with the fact or the idea that Saskatchewan has the most loyal fans. Sorry, Winnipeg. Uh, you know how I feel about Saskatchewan overall. So if you're going to the game this weekend, wear your blue and gold. Be loud, be proud, but please be respectful. You don't want uh, a bunch of Winnipeg fans heading home and then all they talk about is how rude and disgusting and disrespectful we are. Go and have some fun and uh, just remember, it's for the W. It's for the W, but now you've got me thinking, it's for the song. Did Winnipeg ever have a song? Mm, tried to find one. Would have played it for you. No, I... What about the bomber fight song? Well, we there was play the, that There later. was the song, it kind of goes, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. 
Uh, I'll have to find it. Yeah, they used it in the guy. Uh, I'm blanking. They used it in the who's the local filmmaker? Sean, um, guy Madden. Yeah, they used it in a trailer for one oh, of his movies. Really? Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.